Imagine the children of Israel. Egypt and slavery is behind them. They have accumulated the wealth of that nation and saw incredible miracles time and time and time again. And now they are at the border of Canaan, the promised land, the land that God said he would give them, the land that would be flowing with milk and honey, the land where he promised them physical rest, rest from enemies, emotional rest, psychological rest, a really, really great life. Joshua and Caleb are standing there saying, let's take the land. But in spite of all that they had seen and all God had done, all they could see were the people are taller than us. The cities are fortified. And that unbelief turned into complaining to where they even said, God, you brought us here so that these people could kill us. And God said, because of your unbelief, you can't go. You are excluded from the land of promise. I would say that there are seasons in my life where it's a struggle to maintain faith. Where, like the nation of Israel... The people and the circumstances of life become bigger than God. And it becomes hard when the challenges of life increase. When the hardships increase. When the relationships get more difficult. When it seems like everyone's taller and stronger and the obstacles are too great. It's hard to maintain faith. And if you're like me and you can relate to that, then this message is for you. The author of Hebrews wrote this passage in Hebrews 4 verses 1 through 13. Because there were Jews who had professed faith in Jesus Christ. Who had been going to church and serving in ministry. But in response to persecution... They started drifting back into Judaism where the focus was that you have to practice Jewish rituals and follow God's rules in order for Him to accept you. And he was saying, no, don't do that. He he encouraged them, no, no, he urged them to maintain faith in Jesus Christ alone. Because that was their only hope for salvation and a spiritual rest. I'm so happy. I'm excited that Paul has given me the opportunity, Pastor Paul, to preach this message because I desperately need it. It's a little bit different than what he's walked us through over the last few weeks. This isn't about having margins in your life where you can have a, a physical rest. It's not about taking a mental rest or an emotional rest. Those 
things that he shared with us from God's word are important, but that's not what this is about today. Today is about a spiritual rest for your soul. When we talk about entering the rest of God today, I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about forgiveness. And I'm talking about the promise of entering an eternal rest in heaven. It's the restful salvation that leads to an eternal rest in heaven. And he wanted them to understand that if they didn't persevere in faith, just like the nation of Israel couldn't go into the promised land for a physical rest, they would not be allowed to go into heaven for a spiritual rest. Because the perseverance of their faith in the midst of hardship, would determine whether or not they had truly been saved. It authenticates their faith. And so he's telling them, don't stop placing your faith in Jesus. Don't return to Egypt. Don't return to Judaism. Keep chasing after Christ. Keep believing in Christ. And this morning, I want to share with you four tips from this passage that will encourage you not to give up, that will ensure you experience the rest that Jesus has for your soul today and the promise of rest that he has for us in heaven. But I want to ask the Lord to bless this time one more time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the promise of rest that you give us in Jesus Christ. Lord, I acknowledge that this is a difficult passage. But it's an inspired passage. A passage that you had given us to encourage us not to give up. But to keep placing our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation for heaven. And so I ask that you will help us understand and that you would help us to apply your word to our life. God, I pray that Christ would be magnified. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at four truths, four tips to ensure we enter God's heavenly rest. And the first is this idea. Fear falling away in unbelief. Fear falling away in unbelief. I get that out of verses 1 and 2. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as it came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, I swore they shall not enter my rest. The keys here are belief and unbelief. He's giving them a warning. The warning is that remember those people in Israel? You're no better than they are. Your heart is not any purer than theirs. 
The sinfulness of your heart draws you away from faith in Christ in the same ways that it draws them away. And so it would be wrong to think if I was there and I saw God part the sea, then I would have responded differently. If I was there and I saw the the Nile turn to blood, then I would have responded differently. The author of Hebrews is saying that's wrong. That there is the same danger for us as there was for them. And he's saying, remember. Remember God's people. They did not enter his rest because of unbelief. So what he's saying here is to fear having unbelief in your heart as a way to motivate you to run towards Christ in faith. Understand that we can fall away if we've not truly trusted Christ. If our faith is not truly in Him. And one of the ways we see that, whether or not we are in Christ or not in Christ, is through unbelief. Ultimately, the only thing that will keep you from salvation, that will keep you from being saved, is unbelief. Not believing Jesus is who he said he is. And that he did what he said he did. I remember, I used to sit in the second row of church growing up. And it must have been super encouraging to Pastor Rocky because I slept there every Sunday. And I don't know what happened one day. I I do know what happened. I woke up towards the end of the service overwhelmed with this thought. If I don't trust Jesus, I'm going to hell. I was overwhelmed. And I got up at the end of the service and talked to Pastor Rocky And I surrendered my life to Christ. And a few days later, I started wondering, did this really really work? Did I believe right? Did I believe enough? Did God really save me? And so on a Wednesday night, I saw Pastor Rocky walking through the the worship center. And I ran up to him. and, And I said, Pastor Rocky... I just don't know if it worked. What was happening there? I was struggling to believe. I was struggling with unbelief. And Rocky said something to me that was so clarifying and helpful that it's helped me throughout my faith walk. And he said, Nick, it's all about one question. Do you believe that what Jesus did was good enough to save you? And I can honestly say, and from deep down in my soul, I just knew that what Jesus did was good enough to save me. If we have unbelieving hearts, we will be excluded from salvation and God's eternal rest in heaven. 
if we were to jump back up to chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that you may not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so from 3 through 4, he is hitting this idea of unbelief is not good. Unbelief will keep you from God's rest. And here's what you need to do. You need to surround yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ who will encourage you in your faith every single day. That the danger of unbelief is so real, that it is so dangerous, that in chapter 3 he's saying, you need those believers speaking into your life every single day. And I would argue that's a good reason to join a community group. That our community groups would be a place where believers are sharing life together, connecting throughout the week, exhorting one another to remain faithful in Jesus Christ. Because no matter how long you've been in church, no matter when you prayed that prayer, the danger of falling away is real. And we cannot win that fight alone. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us. So, so one, fear an unbelieving heart. Two, receive salvation by faith. Receiving salvation by faith is the only way to enter God's saving rest in eternity in heaven. Look at verses 2 again and then into verse 3. For good news came to us just as it came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united in faith with those who listened. For we we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, the moment The very moment he finished creation, God entered a rest, and that rest from creation has continued to this day. And he has invited us into that rest. But the only way to access it is by faith in Jesus Christ. We must believe that he is God. We must believe that he lived a perfect life on our behalf. We must believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And we must be so convinced that it's true that we make a commitment to surrender our lives to him, to living his way instead of our way. It's interesting this passage says that they received the good news and we received the good news. But the only way that it benefits anyone is if it's received by faith. And through faith, we are given salvation. Through faith, we are given heavenly rest. These Jews who were tempted to return to Judaism in order to escape persecution were ultimately taking steps of obedience 
that were proving they had never truly trusted Christ for salvation. That they were phasing back in to a way of living, to a way of believing that said, I must work to earn God's favor. In anything we do to try and earn God's favor, He will reject. And it will be absolutely unacceptable to Him. You've got to know. You've got to know that the best 15 seconds of your life is not good enough for God. But the worst 15 seconds is not enough to keep you from receiving His grace. But it's accessed through faith, not through works. And so the idea is that we put our faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Imagine this. Imagine you go out into the desert and you take 10 acres of land, a huge amount of land, and you decide that you're going to spend the next couple months planting flowers. That's what working for your salvation is like. It's a foolish waste of time that will produce no spiritual benefit. John 3.18 says this, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There are a lot of things that you could do to do a self-check to determine whether or not you're truly saved. You could have a wrestling match in your mind trying to think through whether or not it really happened when you think it happened. You can wrestle through the thoughts of how different your life is today from how it was when you were younger. You could base it on how many quiet times you have during the week, uh, how much you pray, how faithful you are in worship, whether or not you serve in ministry. I have, I have ser- I've had people serve in my area of ministry uh, when I was up in North Carolina who I, I can't even tell you how many ministries this lady served under. And I still question whether or not she was truly saved. Because none of that stuff is going to truly help you determine whether or not you've trusted Christ for salvation. The question is simply this. Do you believe that what Jesus did is good enough for you? And have you surrendered your life to him? Are you basing your salvation on the grace of God and your faith response to that grace? If you've not done that, the only application to this point is run to Jesus in faith today. Surrender your life to Him. How do we enter God's heavenly rest? It helps to fear falling away in unbelief. To receive salvation by faith. And then three, just stop working for your salvation. Look at verses 8 through 10. For for if Joshua 
had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This Sabbath rest is an eternal Sabbath rest. This is where it's talking about heaven. For whoever entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. What? Here's what that means. That the rest Joshua provided for the people of Israel was not the true rest that God had planned for his people from the creation of the world. Now, under Moses' leadership, they weren't allowed to go into the promised land. They all died in the desert because of unbelief. But God opened another opportunity under Joshua. And under Joshua's leadership, that next generation of Israelites had faith in God's promise. And they entered and lived in the promised land for a season of rest. But that was a physical rest. And that was not the ultimate rest that God was wanting to give his people. And so that rest was brought up again. It was offered again. And the rest we're talking about here is spiritual rest. And this idea of those who enter God's rest will rest from their works. And the way God rested from his works, it's talking about this and only this. It's the idea of Stop working to earn your salvation. That's what it's saying there. Stop working to earn God's acceptance. Stop working to earn spiritual benefits. That all the spiritual benefits that we gain in Christ, salvation, heaven, joy, and everything else, it all comes through a relationship with Christ. There is this phrase throughout the Bible And it's one of the most important phrases in the entire Bible, but it's there so much that it almost seems like a filler word and we just just overlook it. And it's in Christ. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in Paul's letters. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And the idea is that all the spiritual benefits, all the promises of God that come through being saved, and all that God wants to give us, they're all gained through Christ, in Christ. But we have to stop working to earn it in order to receive it. Just stop working. Jenny and I watched this movie last week called The Guardian. Maybe some of you remember it with Kevin Costner, and he is training a group of young men to be Coast Guard rescue swimmers. I love a good rescue story. One of my favorite parts in the entire movie is this young man who has taken the class and failed it like 12 times. But he just keeps coming back. And he keeps failing for one reason. He fails securing the drowning victim. And getting them to safety. And in the training, they're simulating how it is in real life. And and how drowning victims will fight and resist the people who are trying to save them. And this guy has failed this test 12 times. 
And it comes towards the end of the movie. And he's struggling. And he's failing to rescue his instructor who's pretending to drown. He gets dragged underwater. And he comes back up. And he hits his instructor with an elbow right in the face and breaks his nose. The guy loses his senses. And he swims behind him and he secures him. And he drags him to safety. Any lifeguard, any rescue swimmer will tell you that they sometimes have to aggressively secure the victim because the victim is continuing to fight to save themselves. And if they continue to fight to save themselves, drowning is a near certainty. And it's the same with us. Jesus Christ is our rescuer who has came to save us. And our attempts to save ourselves look as scary as a drowning victim trying to tread water and keep his head above so he can breathe. And if we don't stop fighting, if we don't stop resisting, if we don't stop working, Against grace. If we don't stop trying to earn our salvation, then we will have no part in God's promise of salvation or heaven. We've got to stop working. Galatians 5, 4 through 6 says this. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. Justifying ourselves by obeying the rules leads to falling away from grace. Faith in Christ provides the hope of righteousness and eternal security in heaven. So simply don't base God's acceptance of you on what you do. And then lastly, use the word of God to expose unbelief. Use the word of God to expose unbelief. Look down at verse 11, starting in verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of the joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. So the idea here is, That unfaithfulness will always lead to disobedience. Unbelief will lead, it, it is disobedience and it will birth disobedience. Faith is obedience and it will birth more obedience. And so an indication that we are unbelieving would be that if the majority of our life looks sinful and offensive to God. That if we can continue living in sin, separating ourselves from worship, 
in other believers, not pursuing faith in Christ through seeking Him in His Word. It's not, those things won't save us, but they do matter. And they give us an indication of what we believe and what we don't believe. And here's the problem. There are areas of our life where we're unbelieving and we don't even know it. The unbelief is covered. It's, it's hidden. It, it comes out in subtle ways, but we, we can't see it. We're blind to it. And you have the Word of God described as a sword that can pierce to the depth of your soul and expose your sin and unbelief. You want to know why you should search and be in the Word of God and let the Word of God expose that in you? Because you can't do anything about a problem that you don't know is there. And so when we talk about sin, when we talk about unbelief, when you're convicted about that and that's exposed in your life, even if it's a brother or sister in Christ who comes to you and says, I see you're struggling with this and I'm concerned that those things are a gift from God because He's uncovering something in you that He wants to change so that He can make you more like Jesus. And the Word of God, the living, the active Word of God, The Word of God that always accomplishes its purpose in the lives of God's people. The Word of God that can expose sin and unbelief in a way that nothing else can. God has given us that to make us more like Jesus. Because when we see that unbelief, we can begin getting into the Word of God and seeking Jesus To help us overcome it. It, It's always been weird. Growing up it was always weird. To hear that man. In the Bible say. God I believe. Jesus I believe. But help my unbelief. Like. Was he talking out both sides of his mouth? No. We can truly believe that Jesus is the Christ. We can be surrendered to Him. But because our hearts are still sinful and haven't been perfected, they are just these harbors of unbelief, and God will use His Word to expose it. And here's the good news. That will keep you from falling away in unbelief because you're diligently in God's Word Asking Him to uncover what is ungodly in you so that it can be changed and you can be formed into the the image of Jesus Christ. And that's ultimately what discipleship is. It's brothers and sisters using God's Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, growing to become more like Jesus. And so, yeah, we should fear unbelief. But not because it's going to have the final victory. But because it pushes us to get into God's word. And expose our unbelief so that we can then overcome it. I want to end this message 
with some really good news. That if you will commit yourself to studying God's Word, to memorizing God's Word, to meditating on God's Word, and you do it with a desire to grow to become more like Christ, then God will change you from the inside out, guaranteed. It's a guarantee. But what if you're here and falling away from the grace that's offered through Jesus Christ is not an issue for you? Because if you were honest, you never really truly surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never really trusted him for salvation. You're one of those who always felt like you had to work for it. You always felt like you had to earn it. Or, or you're just faking it until you're making it. And so you're pretending to be something you're not. What do you do? Well, here's the good news. I want to go back to what this said came through David in verse 6 and 7. Since therefore it remains for some to enter rest, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter the rest because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day. What day is that? Today. Today, saying through David, so long afterwards, In the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The rest still remains. You can have it today. All you have to do is choose not to harden your heart and choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. You go to God and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I also know that you love me. And that because you love me, you sent Jesus to live a perfect life for me. To die on the cross to be punished for me. And I believe he rose from the dead. God, I'm trusting that what Jesus did is good enough to save me. So come into my life and take control. Save me. Based on the work that Jesus did. And if you pray that with a believing heart. God will take you from spiritual death. To spiritual life. And he will give you everything that you need. To persevere in faith. So that you can experience the benefits of his rest today. And the promise of heaven forever. But don't wait. Take today seriously. I remember when I was 16 years old, me and my buddy were walking around a neighborhood at 2 in the morning. We shouldn't have been there, but we were there. And we were on the back side of this large neighborhood, American Village in Titusville, Florida. And all of a sudden, he starts trying to throw a recycling bin up in someone's tree. And I'm just standing there about 20 feet away. 
And it didn't stay in the tree. It came down. And so he tried again. And then he tried again. And then he tried again. And I was like, like this was starting to feel bad. I was really uncomfortable. And all of a sudden, I heard the front door handle on the house turn. And we took off. We ran about a block away and hid behind a house. And we waited about 15 minutes. And I said, John, I think we're good. Let's get out of here. We walk up the road about 200 feet. And this guy yells at us. And we turn around and he's chasing us on a 10 speed. And so we took off. We just started running, weaving in and out of houses. I remember him chasing me up this fence and missing my foot by inches while he was yelling, Hey, there's somebody in your yard! I didn't care. I just kept running. And we got to the other side of the road, and both of us were exhausted. We couldn't run fast anymore. I'm not proud of this, and I was scared, and so I said, John, I can't run anymore. We're going to have to fight him. And then we turned around, and he's coming up on us, and he has a hammer. And I was like, oh. And he said, if you stop, I will let you go. Running out of options, we stopped he gave us a lecture, said, what are you doing here? I'm certain we lied to him. And then he let us go. But here's why surrendering today matters. Just like we couldn't outrun a guy on a 10-speed, sooner or later you're not going to be able to outrun God's judgment for your sin. You're going to stand before God. And what we just read is that the Bible that exposes all of our secrets, all the intentions of our hearts, all of the evil that's in us, when it's all exposed before God, we're not going to be able to trick Him. We're not going to be able to hide it. And it's saying, this is what it's saying, that if you didn't take advantage of putting your faith in Christ for the saving heavenly rest that's available for you today, then you will have to answer and pay for all of it. But the good news is that if you do turn to Christ in faith, all that is exposed will be covered with the blood that was shed on the cross. I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Since this is VBS Sunday, I want to do this just like I do at Vacation Bible School. If you are here today and you know you've never truly put your faith in Christ and you want to do that today, you want to trust Him for salvation, then hold up your hand so that I can see you. I see you. I see you in the back. I see you up by me. 
here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to go ahead and pray this prayer with me right now. I'm going to pray the first part, then you pray it. I'll pray the next part, then you pray the next part. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And you cannot accept me the way that I am. Even worse, I've had an unbelieving heart. But God, I trust that you love me. I believe that you sent Jesus to live a perfect life for me. To die on the cross to be punished for my sins. And I believe that he rose from the dead. Today, I trust that what Jesus did is good enough to make me saved and forgiven. So God, save me. Come into my life and take control. With your help, I turn from my sin and commit to living your way. Now there's others of you here today. You're going through a crisis of belief. You're struggling to maintain your faith. If that's you and you need to recommit yourself to faith in Christ, then I want you to raise your hands. Thank you. Now take a few seconds and silently where you are, make that recommitment. Let me see you guys. Meaning, praise God for those he saved this morning. This, these steps and stage are open if you want to come and pray, if you want to come and talk to somebody about your decision, if you want to talk to somebody about faith in Christ. I invite you to come. Uh, please stand.